0: Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast and this week we have Kay Putnam joining us. Kay is one of my friends that I have been working alongside for over a year now and Kay is a psychology driven brand strategist. She has a quiz that has been taken over 80,000 times that helps you discover your brand archetype. Don't worry, we'll link that up. She and I discuss what makes or breaks a brand, what are the common mistakes people make with branding, and what are the keys to success. If there ever was a queen of branding, it would be Kay. So so I'm so excited to invite you into this conversation. I know you're going to love her just as much as I do. So let's get to it. Hey, Kay. Kelsey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for, A, your patience. I'm so glad we're finally getting to chat, and I'm so excited to have you on. Can you introduce yourself? Our listeners are going to be so excited to meet you, and I am excited to hear your full story.
1: Yes, I'm so excited to finally be on the phone with you. I've been admiring you from afar for a long time, and we've been going back and forth getting this scheduled. So I'm just geeked out and totally, totally excited to be here. So I guess I'll start kind of from the beginning and I'll just dive in. If anything seems unclear, just feel free to pop in and interrupt me, Kelsey. But I was a marketing grad in college, and I had a psychology minor. And I actually started my first business when I was 16. And I was too young to even get a credit card. So my mom had to sign up for PayPal for me. And I had a (laughs) photography business for four and a half years while I was in college. And I grew that really quickly. It grew to six figures, And then I promptly got burnt out because it wasn't a very scalable business model. I didn't have it set up with a lot of systems. So I decided my last year of college that I was just going to like, waitress and just be a college student. So, yeah. I got out of that business, just finished up my degree, met my hunky military husband <laughs> and started dating him. And we ended up dating long distance for a while while I got my first corporate job. And I got to this place in my career where we decided to get married. So, I moved again. And I was so nervous that I had peaked too early because I had, I'd worked an okay job after college, but then once I got to our new home in Tennessee, it was just like resume after resume after resume that I was sending out. I'd made good grades in college you had all this business experience and I couldn't get a job anywhere. So it was super unnerving, super scary because, well, I'm a 2008 college grad. So if anybody else is like in that same time period, you guys probably know like what the economy was like at that point time. Oh, the in recession. Time. Yes. Yeah. It was not a fun time to be looking for a job. And I even like tried to dabble back in photography a bit when we were in Tennessee and that just wasn't really picking up. And I ended up getting this like contract job at this little local bank like in down home Tennessee across the river. So I would (laughs) drive there in my little red escort every Friday and collect my check for $213. It wasn't about the money, but it was just like, I knew that I wasn't living up to my potential. And I knew that I wasn't doing what I was meant to do in the world. And worse yet, I wasn't even being... Who I am. Like, I was pretending to rock a Southern accent, even though I grew up in Michigan, because I just <laughs> wanted to fit in and blend in and just not stick out. So, that experience, like, that was a true, like, wake up moment in my career where it's like, okay, clearly I'm not doing what I'm meant to do, and clearly I'm not being who I'm meant to be. And that experience led me to get back into marketing. We ended up moving again. So I moved my career online and ended up working with a digital agency for a while. For about two years, we moved again to Hawaii. (laughs) So I I built the online business out of necessity because my husband's career has moved us around every year or two years. Uh, We're actually in Naples, Italy now. Uh, But I'm so grateful for the business that I've now built because it gives us that freedom. It gives us the freedom to travel around Europe with our kiddos and to work with clients remotely. And it's just it's been a really amazing journey to get here.
0: And how long have you been in Naples?
1: We've been here now for two and a half years. We're just, we're nearing our, the end of our time here, which is heartbreaking. I know your life looks so fun. So I didn't realize you lived in Tennessee. Where did you live in Tennessee? We lived in Clarksville,
0: Tennessee, which is about an hour north of Nashville. Oh, yeah. I'm from Murfreesboro. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, I know Clark so well. Some of my best friends are from there, but it's not like it's the most fun place. So I feel your pain. (laughs) So you've built this online business. And one thing that I really, really want to touch on is you know, feeling like you peaked too early. And I know, I hear that from a lot of people. And I I've felt that before of like, what if it doesn't get better from here? What if it levels out? What if it goes down, downhill? How did you kind of combat that belief and, or overcome it really? And what do you have to say to people who feel like that? Because I think that's a pretty common sentiment at some point or another. If you see success when you're young and <laughs> you were 18. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. And yeah, like if you're one of those like ambitious driven people, I think it can be especially just like disheartening and scary to be in a place where the things that you did in your past seems more exciting or more quote unquote successful, but because of whatever situation that you're in now or whatever condition you're in or the circumstances you find yourself in a place where you're not happy with where you're at. For me, if I'm being completely honest, it didn't get better overnight. It was a lot of giving myself grace and making sure that I remembered what the bigger picture was. So I had chosen to get married, obviously, and I was extremely happy with that. And I just knew that if I kept putting myself out there, I would find something. And I did. And it really took getting super honest with myself in that moment where I was, I hadn't moved as much at that point. So I wasn't as skilled in the process of like starting over. So I spent a lot of time like thinking up ideas in my house, like repainting the kitchen cabinets. I was Mm. making myself busy, but I wasn't actually doing the work that was going to get me my next job. So it wasn't until I got out of the house that I started to find more opportunities. So I think it's a combination of grace and patience mixed with make sure that you're doing the actions that are actually going to get you results.
0: Yeah. And I like your honesty there in the sense that it's not overnight. I think we kind of sink into these places where we kind of get stuck and we're like, man, I realize I've been feeling this way for six months. And then we are we identify it. I know that for me, I can kind of adapt and kind of settle into that negative mindset before I even realize, like before I can even identify Mm -hmm. that it's happening. And then it's like, Oh, I identify it and I expect it to go away overnight. And that's just not always the case. And it's kind of like a reprogramming.
1: Yes. Yes. It's similar to like your health and fitness. If you are in that space or just like concerned about that space at all, I think that you can find a lot of similarities. So we just started whole 30 again this month and (laughs) like it's for people who aren't super familiar with it you like eat very specific foods it's very strict like it's meant to like clean out your system and Mm -hmm. figure out what foods might be bothering you and stuff this is related I promise but like you get through a week of it and you're like man I should be down like 10 pounds right now (laughs) but I'm not (laughs) so you just you kind of have to stick with it and in as much any way that you can fall in love with the process of your journey as opposed to thinking about those highs or those end points, the better off that you are like fall in love with setting up Facebook ads, fall in love with doing the deep work on your brand to figure out exactly what you stand for, fall in love with creating content. That's when those feelings of self-doubt or like concern that you'd peak too early, go to the wayside.
0: Absolutely. So one thing I'd also like to touch on is you decided to totally close your photography business and then pick up a waitressing job instead. And I think that is a very real picture of burnout. I think I I know I've been there where I was ready to totally close, you know, all of my bread and butter. And even Amber was like, no, modify it. (laughs) And I think it's easy from the outside looking in to say, modify it, change it. And, And I ended up being able to do that. But when you're at that state of burnout, closing, it feels like the only option. So can you explain to people why someone would get to that place? And then maybe how I'm sure now down the road, you've also identified ways to pivot and shift versus close it. But at some point, if we let ourselves get totally burnt out, we we're dying to be done with it and would go take a waitressing job instead. Yes. Oh my gosh. I
1: I mean, and Again, if I'm being honest, like I've felt that way in all of my businesses at many points during the time ta- during like this time of entrepreneurship because sometimes it just gets to the point where you're like I am so out of alignment with what I want that the like just the idea of relief is so sexy. Yeah. And in that moment, I would be lying if I said that it wasn't like the biggest weight off of my shoulders that I could have done. And the other thing was in that space I was I knew that I was going to be graduating from college soon I knew that I was going to be moving away from my hometown. I had built a completely local business so I knew that that business wasn't going to serve my long term goals ever so it, I think that made it a little bit of an easier decision and it a bigger strategy based decision as opposed to just a whim because I knew that it wasn't going to be what I was going to do for forever. So once I realized that, once I realized that, then it was kind of easy to cut the cord and and shift from there. But now that I'm in this business, and whenever those feelings creep up or like, oh gosh, like I'm working really hard, but I'm not as profitable as I want to be, or or like this project is going way longer than I thought it was going to, like just those feelings of frustration, I think it really goes back to figuring out what you've done to set up the systems and the process and your business. Cause that's the joy of being an entrepreneur. You get to do whatever the heck you want to do in terms of your business. So if something isn't serving you or serving your life and it's leading to that burnout, absolutely. Like just take some time off. You get a clear head, but figure out what you can do in the structure or the, like the business model that you chose to, to make it work better for what you want in
0: your life. Yeah. So how would you, how would someone start to get clear? I know that clarity is one of your topics that is kind of, you're great at speaking about this. How would you say to someone to get clear about what's life giving versus life sucking, how to start pivoting? Maybe it comes down to raising, maybe, maybe it comes down to raising your prices so that you have, you know, a more manageable workload and Mm -hmm. the clients you are working with, you know, have, top quality customer service because now your capacity is not so stretched, then what would you have to say to any of that?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. I am such a huge believer in raising your prices almost across the board, especially if you're at a place where your business business is super busy and you are in demand. I think raising your prices is one of the easiest ways that you can alleviate some of that and create a business that's more fun because it has more space. Plus it's going to make you more money. So yes, you have to have a brand that supports that to make sure that you're not completely outpricing whoever your target market is. But yes, that's like, I think step one for 90% of the people listening. And then beyond that, this is going to sound a little woo and I'm not, I'm not a super woo person, but uh, just paying attention to your energy and your anxiety. So If I'm ever having trouble like falling asleep at night because there's a million and a half to do things on my list, I always like to write out just pen and paper, my anxiety list, just so I can get it out of my brain so it stops like rattling around. And if you do that over time, you can start to pay attention to, okay, these are the things that like really get me riled up and like give me angst. So if you're paying attention to the things that are doing that to you, figure out how you can either delete delegate or outsource them. And then for the things that never make your anxiety list, the and the things that you know, like you get sucked into that black hole of time doing them, those are the things to, you know, model your business around or mold your business around in my opinion.
0: I 100% agree. I kind of started measuring things in a very similar way of life giving versus life sucking because I was just at a place where my energy was drained and I knew, okay, it's, it's time to delete and delegate. And, and I did that yeah. and, and I'm really enjoying places in my business now where they're my strong suits and I can delegate kind of my, my things that, you know, really only take 30 minutes, but I somehow turn them into two hours. <laughs> I think we all have fun. It's (laughs) like, man, how did I turn that into a two hour task? I just wasted time. That needs to get off my plate because clearly I'm not managing that very well. Um, So one thing that is your total sweet spot, I want to talk about branding. You have a brand archetype quiz. I mean, that's kind of, you you have brand visibility. I would just love for you to kind of shed light on helping someone to build a brand. I mean, you're the queen here. So take it away.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So like I said, I started my career in marketing. So when I first started online, I was looking at everything through the marketing lens. I'm like, okay, if I just follow this guru who says I need to run these ads or this guru who says I should create a course in this way, then I'll just be successful. So if I just follow the best practices and do all of these marketing tactics, then I should see similar success. And womp, womp, (laughs) you can probably guess that that didn't work. And I was, I was doing what people call like modeling, like, let me just figure out what people are doing to be successful. And then, and then, you know, maybe some of that will rub off on me. And at that point, I really realized, and I had been learning this lesson over the, the years that I was in business and working with clients in traditional media, and in the digital marketing agency, but it's not. Your marketing. Like the marketing is just the gas that you put in the car. The thing that is actually going to get you where you want to go and is underneath everything is your brand. Like that's the vehicle. And you can choose to drive a bicycle or a jet plane to get where you want to go. So I was following this like crazy internet link like maze as we do. And I stumbled on this website that talked about the 12 brand archetypes. It was the first time I've ever seen them. I just listed the 12. And I finally had this like epiphany light bulb moment where I could match up all of these super successful entrepreneurs that I had been following and modeling to which archetype they were. So I'm like, Oh, this one's the lover. And this one's the hero. And this one's the innocent. And there's a bunch of different names that aren't super relevant right at the second. But the important thing was that I realized was each successful entrepreneur had a very clear identity and they were only being one or two things. They weren't being everything to everybody. And what I needed to do was to figure out both for myself and then for the clients that I was working with and would work with in the future. Like what is that innate advantage that you have through your brand? What is the core psychology that's driving people to want to buy from you? So I've created my entire career over the last I guess five years now based on that fact like let's build your your brand around truth not around what is trendy at the time like let's figure out what really yeah. makes you tick and what people love about you and build your brand around that
0: man I I loved your information on my brain on my brand identity I am looking it up right now because i can't remember what I am maybe the creative is that one
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's what I I am yeah I'm looking it up
0: right now so um, oh the magician or the creator I think I've tested as both
1: yep yep most people have a primary and a secondary or you know like two primary ones that they that they go with
0: yeah and so one thing I like to talk about with my clients is you know it's your essence that sets you apart and I think we're kind of in a in a Phase right now, where we have these Facebook ads that are perfectly targeted to us that tell us <laughs> if we follow this step by step formula that we will make a million dollars overnight. Can you explain why that just is there is not a one size fit all to a business and really like helping people understand the importance of communicating their brand's essence through kind of getting clear with their brand identity? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! I wish it was that easy. That's what I thought when <laughs> I started. <laughs> it's like I just
1: like press this button here and put up this web page here, and then boom, million dollars. Yeah. and it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the the prevailing advice from everybody who's like in my position, who's helping people build brands, that actually kind of frustrates me is you know just be authentic. Be yourself. And the reason why that advice frustrates, at least it used to frustrate me, was because I didn't have a very clear answer of what that was. Which sounds weird, but I'm like, I'm a mom of two. We love to travel. I love to lift really heavy weights. I also love to drink wine. Like, there are so many different facets of my personality that I could bring into my brand that I didn't know how to narrow that down or how to make it clear to my ideal client what I stood for and what made me different from every other brand strategist out there. And for me, the archetypes were key to that. And I actually developed my brand quiz for myself because I wanted to know what archetype I was. And since I developed it, it's been taken over 80,000 times now, which is completely bananas to me. But I think that we all need just some of that permission like once you see what your result is you're like oh yeah yeah that's totally me like of course that's me and what's really fun is some of the people take the quiz and they're like you know I knew this was true about myself but I thought it was a weakness I thought that people didn't want me to be caring or loving or creative or whatever it is and now I finally have permission to be myself so I think it's a like that that be yourself or be authentic advice is missing a first stop so in order to be yourself, you first have to know yourself. And that's what this tool and other tools that are really effective help you do.
0: Yeah. And I think when you know yourself, you're, you're better able to serve your client because then you're not trying to be all things. You're able to give your unique skill set to the, to the clients you serve. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so
1: important. I had a client a couple years ago. Uh, He was He's actually like super successful with his personal brand, and um, he came to me to like work on this this project that he was doing, this sub project. And even with as much success as he'd had in his personal brand, he wasn't like willing to narrow down the archetypes for this this new brand that he was doing. He's like, well, I want I want it to represent all of the archetypes. I was newer at the time, so I totally just like let him kind of push the process because. I was feeling self-doubt or whatever because I was working with this like famous person or so I, I felt like and in hindsight this is totally my fault but in hindsight it's not surprising to me that the project completely fell apart and I think that a lot of us have this going on inside of our own head because if we don't figure out what we stand for like what is at the core of who we are our identity all of the the sexy tactics or all of the fun things like choosing a logo or choosing colors or choosing fonts, it all becomes arbitrary or you're just choosing what's popular at the time as opposed to what is actually going to reflect what's inside of you.
0: Oh yeah. And I think it's really tempting. I think Marie Forleo talks about this just about, you know, we, we can't create a brand that tries to talk to everyone, but if we'll, mm-hmm. if we'll zero in and start talking to one person, it, the other people fall in line if they're going to be attracted to you, even though you say you have a female audience, men might come in anyways, yeah. but you're not speaking to them all the time. And it's just confusing. I, a friend and I were just chatting this morning of how she resisted speaking to only women. She wanted you know, people to know that she would still work with male clients, but then she really came down to it and she's like, what am I going to say? Helping individuals do X, Y, Z. It's like, No you primarily are attracting women. So create your language around that. And the men will still come if they want to. Yep. Yep. Well, we all
1: have, so I mentioned the phrase before, like we we all have an innate advantage. We all have, things that are special about us that are naturally going to attract our ideal clients to us if we're willing to be unapologetic about it. So the more that you're willing to be yourself and just be in your strength, the right people are going to come. Another like common piece of advice is to like figure out who your ideal client is so that you can kind of like mold yourself. And I, I kind of hate that advice too, because it's like, if you just figure out who you are and how you best provide value, the right people are going to come. You don't have to worry so much about choosing, you know, Jane, who is 25 years old living in Chicago or whatever. Like you can focus first on being yourself and it's going to be a whole lot more effective than trying to mold yourself to these quote unquote ideal clients.
0: That is so true. So what sets a brand apart? from being effective versus ineffective? Like what are the differentiators there?
1: Ooh, such a good question, Kelsey. (laughs) So there are some very major differences between brands that fail and then brands that scale. And I think the number one difference is that your brand has to be about something that's more than your product or service. So you might sell something amazing, like you might sell incredible graphic design services. But if that's all that you talk about, you become a commodity, you need to attach your brand to deeper human stories and values to make it more emotional and more enticing to your ideal clients to the people that are going to buy what you're buying. So I think that's the key. Like number one, if I didn't tell you anything else, just make sure that you're attaching your brand to something deeper. And the reason why I love archetypes so much is because they do that. Like they, they give us a shortcut to figuring out what, what people want from our product or service that goes beyond our product or service. So in the case of you being like a mix of the magician and the creator, it's about creating either new realities or new products or services or transforming people's relationship with themselves like showing people that they have the inner power to change the world to do whatever they want to set out to do so you can attach whatever you're selling whether that's copywriting or dog beds or (laughs) instagram courses or whatever to a greater like it's like a common denominator right like it's a theme that shows up in like movies and books and all these different things. And that makes it really fun too, because you get to take inspiration from all of those places. So whenever you're like watching Netflix and you notice that there's an awesome story about somebody like transforming themselves or like going through a change, then you can pay attention to that and maybe tell a, like a email about a similar change that you went through in your own life or whatever. So yeah, that would be like the key Number one, we won't even dilute it. We'll just, we'll stop there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the number one priority. What do you see some common pain points or some common mistakes people are making with branding? So many people have the flip side to what
1: I just said. So like I was just in my Facebook group uh, the other day and I had posted something about this. Like you have to to appeal to people on an emotional level, on on a psychological level. You can't just sell your product or service. And somebody posted in a reply, they're like, well, I sell art. So how in the world do I make that about more than the art? Like people don't need art in their home. So how do I make them feel like they need to buy what I'm selling? And the answer to that question is what I just said. So like, what is the psychological need that your product or service is fulfilling? Like you're making people feel like an individual, you're helping them feel maybe like proud to invite their friends over for drinks or dinner and have this beautiful piece of art on their wall. Or maybe you're just, you're like contributing to their sense of community. Like they're contributing, they're buying a piece of the art community and they feel really good about that. So like figure out what those stories are for one. And then the other really big mistake that I see is inconsistency. So there's some entrepreneurs out there who Will say, like, oh, your brand doesn't matter. Like, you just have to help people and be a valuable human. <laughs> and oh. then people will come to you naturally. And you're, you know, just the money that you spend on a logo or a website or whatever doesn't matter. That's just like icing on the cake. And that's kind of true, but it's also very not true. Like, yes, that's a prerequisite to being in business. You absolutely have to have a product or service that's valuable but you also need to build a long-term relationship with your potential ideal clients and customers. And that only happens through consistency. So like if you look and sound different, every time somebody comes into contact with your brand, you're not building a relationship. It's just like a one night stand. You're trying to convert somebody on a sales page. That's awfully ugly. And then the next sales page, like doesn't even, it's, it's like a brand new experience that used to work back in, you know, circa 2000 or maybe 1995, it does not work anymore cuz people are way too discerning. There's way too much competition. You have to build that relationship with people over time and the way to do that is consistency.
0: Oh, yeah, and that consistency really builds that trust. Because I mean, we mm-hmm. see marketing messages everywhere we look. Like we've got to see something consistently in order to buy in. I know that I do. Yes, there's actually a psychological principle. It's
1: called the Oh, shoot. What is it? Um, I'll just have to explain it. I can't remember the name. So essentially, the more we see something, the more we like it. So <laughs> like the more that you show up in your business and that people recognize that it's you just by nature of doing that, you're putting yourself in a better situation to convert more clients and customers because they trust you and they like you because they've seen you around and
0: around. Wow. Yep. That, I mean, I'll say I use this as an example a lot, but I was a cold audience for Amber who is both the, one of one both of our business mentors. I was yep. a total cold audience. I saw her content over and over again and every single thing she released into the world built more clout, more trust. For me, I really loved her essence. I loved the way she presented herself. She spoke my language and then I bought having no Mm -hmm. previous relationship with her, no prior connections. I just could tell over time, overseeing her marketing messages and getting to explore around her website and what she was offering and kind of digging into who she was. And I converted. I'm a perfect case study of that.
1: Yes. Yeah. And sometimes that happens quickly, but more often it takes a while. I think that I participated in three Three or four of Amber's planathons. Maybe I'm a really slow buyer, but it took me a while before I finally joined her program. And it was such an easy decision once I did because of that consistency. Like she's shown that she's not going away anytime soon. And that's not to say that a new brand or a new business can't be successful, but the more that you're willing to stick it out, the more successful you're going to be almost by default.
0: Yeah. One thing I love to talk about with other online entrepreneurs, especially those who have been doing it for a little bit, is playing the long game. So you kind of just touched Mm -hmm. on it right there, but how can we really set ourselves up to play the long game and not have expectations of overnight results? Because even for reference there, Amber's planathons are twice a year. So that means you convert it after like almost two years probably right yeah and yes. so and for yes. me as I sit and I build my list I know that yeah a few people will convert immediately when I do a big launch but some people might convert nine months from now or 18 months from now
1: mm-hmm. yes so I'm gonna share a little story that's super embarrassing in response to that <laughs> so last time I launched my signature program which is called brand new brand it was last fall so it was about a year ago now, and I got it in my head that I'm like, okay, I've launched it three times already. I kind of know what the conversion rates are. I'm just, I'm going to go big. Cause I want like that six figure launch that everybody talks about. I'm yeah. like, so this is my time. I'm going to do it. Gosh, darn it. So we did the whole thing. Like we spent five figures in ads. We had a whole team. We had people managing the ads. We had a whole big challenge. It was an amazing interactive experience. And at the end of the launch, I had made three figures in profit, so (laughs) not six figures, (laughs) but but three. (laughs) So it was like, oh my gosh, like if I had built my business around that, I mean, of course it was like wind out of my sails. It was a really disheartening moment, especially because I'm not new in business. Like I've been doing this for a long time. I just like, it was super, super frustrating, but The silver lining at the end of this tunnel or this story is that instead of just like throwing the towel in and quitting, like I did back in the photography days, I converted what I had done into an evergreen funnel. So instead of just enrolling people during this one time, I started enrolling people throughout the entire year. And at this point, it's still not like a six figure course, but it's getting really close to that. So just by having patience... And by taking the long game instead of just relying on this one launch or this one promotion or this, like, one batch of ads, I've seen success now. And it wouldn't have happened if I would have gotten so frustrated that I quit at that at that one, like, dip in my story.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you shared that story because I, you know, I had a similar experience uh, with a launch in November. And it it's devastating because you hear yeah. – all of these stories have, you know, I had a six-figure launch, but we have no idea if they spent six figures to launch it. Mm-hmm. Like We truly yep. have no idea. There's no transparency around numbers in the online world. I think we're moving in a different direction because I think there are more and more people like you and I who are willing to say, hey, like there's more to any story than we just see <laughs> on a beautifully curated Facebook ad. And so I just think it's so important to have that discussion because similar to you, I had a launch in November. I, you know, made my money back, but again, didn't end up with much left over um, Mm -hmm. with my profit, but it, it pays off over time. And I think there is it's really hard, I think, in the online space. I think it's just kind of still a relatively new industry. So we look at a brick-and-mortar store and are like, oh, yeah, it's totally normal for it to, you know, not turn a profit for three to five years. But on- online, we have all of these marketing messages about, you know, building online businesses that tell us we should be able to do it overnight. and It's just not reality.
1: Not in my reality. <laughs> yeah, it's not
0: mean, in my experience. Cheers to the people that that has worked out for. But I, I just think it's so important to set expectations for people that it's okay when you have a launch that, you know, barely is profitable or it's okay when you try a new strategy and it doesn't go as well. I mean, I think everyone's always tweaking and refining and that's kind of been my journey. And I, I just think it's so important to set those expectations so that people can, cannot feel like a failure when it happens. And and I get it. My The wind in my sails was not there. But it also, it, it helped me grow up a little bit in my business. You know, yeah. I feel like we just graduate to new lessons that are a little bit more expensive to learn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so true, so true. And yeah, I mean, I think it, the moment that you stop evolving or you stop learning, I mean, it would it would be boring, right? Like we, it would be... Not that much fun even to be in business anymore. So that while the lessons are really painful, if you're able to see them as lessons, you end up a lot farther ahead in the long run. But yeah, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn.
0: Man. Well, where can people find you? I'm sure people listening are like, how do I take this quiz? I want to know more about, you know, how to capture my own essence so that I can, can, can communicate to my, my clients who I am and kind of build build more clarity around my brand for my clients. I would, I'm sure people are really excited to take that archetype quiz. And how can people work with you? We want to know all the things. (laughs) Yes, I am so excited for everybody to take the quiz.
1: Like I said, just that permission to be yourself or just the focus that it can give you is absolutely magical. So if you go to my website, which is kputnam.com, you can find the quiz right up top. I think you can even search Google for branding quiz, and I'm one of the top.
0: Oh, girl. That's a feat in itself. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Again, the long game. I've had the quiz for, oh, I think four years now. So wow. once you find something that's working, gosh darn it, like stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely go to the site, take the quiz figure out what your archetype is. There's different pages for each of the archetypes. I'm a Pinterest fiend. I also have different boards for each of the archetypes. And if you really want to dive in deep, I have courses. I have one course for each archetype that like gives you the whole secret toolkit of what it means to be whatever type that you are.
0: So I want to snag the magician one. (laughs) Yeah. They're so fun.
1: And we're, we're actually upgrading them like right now with A bunch of new examples too. So it's a fun time to get in. And then I also work with clients in my brand new brand program, which is the whole like soup to nuts, A to Z, how to build a brand, and high end clients for more like traditional, like agency style. We actually do the whole brand strategy and development with clients that are over 100K typically.
0: Awesome. Kay, I'm sure you'll have some people reaching out. I have loved chatting with you and just thank you for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom because. I I find it really fun to talk about branding and I think we've kind of debunked some myths in the online space and the branding space and given people some tools to really take their brand to the next level. So thank you so much.